Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. For those of you who don't have the little letters on your phone, that's 855-450-3733. The live post-Labor Day show with uh, Mark. And Julia. It is, well, the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up. Clock is at 28 days. Ian Freeman, our normal uh, you know, main sh- first first host here on Free Talk Live, he has uh, gone to jail for standing in front of a police car uh, for because they were taking away some woman that he felt was being arrested unjustly. Now, Julia, you're Ian's ex. What's that make you think? Uh, it doesn't make me think anything. Does it, you just don't think anything about it? No. How do you think you'd felt if, it if um, Ian would have been... You know, if this would have happened while you're a boyfriend, girlfriend, do you have like, can you access that area in your mind? I don't know. It's hard to say. I like you mean as far as being jealous that Ian got arrested for another for a woman? No, I don't think. OK, because I was going to say Ian, like his intentions, I, be, I believe, were you know, that's just the way he is. No, he wasn't doing it to be a cavalier for no. the, uh, the gal. Or no, no, no. Like that. Or you mean the fact that like I mean, my boyfriend would be in jail. Right. Your boyfriend went to jail for uh, essentially slowing down a police officer by perhaps 45 seconds for, um, you know, a woman who would refuse to take a ticket um, and instead decided to go to jail. You right. Know, like, like maybe it all seems kind of fruitless, but I mean, I don't know. It's up to you. I would like to think that at this point in time, I don't know, I would probably have been used to like and be prepared for the the arrest, right? Because Ian did go to jail once while we were together. Yes. And uh, we, we were actually preparing for him to go to jail. However, I was prepared for him to go to jail for like three days to a week. Yes. And they it said 90 days. Yeah. And to me, 90 days at that time was like, you know, just so outrageous. I was very upset about it. Mm-hmm. But- that was more towards the beginning, and I mean, you kind of, I think like it, was a, it was a shock, the beginning of our relationship. Okay. So, it's hard to say, but I, I, I probably would be, I would be bummed, but I, I'd probably be better prepared, I guess, you mentally. Had more time to yeah. get used to the jackassery. The, um, right. <laughs> so, anyway... It's free talk live. You can call in and talk about whatever you'd like. Oh, you know, I, I sincerely hope Ian gets out as soon as possible. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I miss him here in the uh, the sort yeah. of work environment, and uh, you know, I don't. He's, he's doing okay. I he's to almost today. halfway done. If if he gets out early, which he hasn't gotten written up for anything yet, so if he's if he does the sixty days, he's halfway done pretty much. And I went and saw him last night, and he seems like he's in good spirits. Yeah, he could be out in as uh, few as sixty days um, with. The good time that he earns by apparently getting up quite early in the morning yep, and serving people uh, grits and eggs or whatever it is that they serve up in Yankee prisons. And, um, you know, I hope he gets out soon, frankly. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what it is that he continues to do. He, he is a headstrong guy. So, Julia, you've got a story for me. Right. From uh, Wired.com. Does like marijuana? Wired? I like Wired as well. Does marijuana make you stupid? This is what people say, right? I mean, yeah. It's, they say that it makes you dumb. Short-term memory and all that stuff. You know, I've heard so many things over the years. It's like, I, I don't know what to believe. Per, me, personally, I've used marijuana. Do I think that it's made me dumb in the long run? No. When I'm high, does it probably make me a little slow? Yeah, probably. But it goes away. Anyway. People that drink are probably dumb. Uh, when. Oh, they're... yes. I would say that drinking makes me dumber than <laughs> than smoking, for sure. Um. 
to, to go on with the article. Marijuana is currently registered by the U.S. government as a Schedule One drug, placing it in the same category as heroin, MDMA, and LSD. This is largely due to the first condition of Schedule One drugs, which is that the substance has a high potential for abuse. The language in that clause is deliberately vague. Does abuse equal addiction? Probably not, since marijuana is not as addictive as the other Schedule One drugs. Rats don't self-administer the compound in a lab. It's virtually impossible to fatally overdose. I would actually say it is impossible. Probably, I mean, I wouldn't really say it's virtually impossible. Nobody has ever overdosed on marijuana. Yeah, I, at this point, they, I have not heard of a case where a person has overdosed to the point that they have killed themselves, uh, you know, a fate, had a fatal overdose of uh, marijuana. And I don't, I don't know what an overdose of marijuana is. I know that people have had bad situations where they've, uh, you know, smoked pot and it didn't go well for them, but they they survived it and they came, you know, they came out in a few hours and everything was okay. Generally, I suppose that a bale could fall on someone and break their neck. Yeah, I remember one time when I was first getting into smoking. I I remember just I think I might have eaten pot and when you eat it it it's stronger typically it's it's different and since it takes longer to kick in I was probably smoking too thinking oh I'm not high yet or whatever and then it kicked in and I remember feeling kind of dizzy and not really so great and mm-hmm. that only happened to me one time and I have smoked a lot of marijuana so I it doesn't I don't it's not common if that if if you could call that an overdose it's not common would you say that um, I, you know, I've had, I've heard of experiences and, ha- and in fact, had a bad experience with marijuana myself. Would you, do you think they normally happen to younger people who are, you know, smoking it for some of the first times? I would, I would, that would be my yes, my educated guess. It, um, you know, and it's a disturbing topic, but. You know, when I think about alcohol, I think I don't want my son Jack to learn about alcohol from a pimply faced 16 year old like i did yeah um and me too you know and most people do yeah like this is a dangerous situation let's let's give kids cars and let them go out at night and they won't ever try alcohol and you know all these you know already 16 to 18 year olds are the most dangerous driving group on the road and then you tell them you know don't try alcohol kids you don't talk to them about it you don't they don't have any experience with it of course they're going to try it of course they're going to drink till they're s faced and can't uh, handle themselves and i mean i i'm not going to put my son in that circumstance he's going to have the opportunity uh, to try some alcohol with meals and at home and uh, you know he's not it's not going to be this amazing new forbidden fruit when um, he is going out with his friends. I'm very disturbed by the idea of marijuana um, him him ingesting marijuana. It's probably because it's illegal. I know that alcohol is more dangerous than marijuana. It's just so much more societally acceptable. and I there's a lot of repercussions that come with getting in trouble for marijuana. I was arrested when I was 18 years old, just turned 18 years old. And I mean, it's a nightmare to, you know, the legal process, all the stuff to get rid of that. It just, it sucks. And so I get it, you know, fortunately my son is three and a half, so I really don't have to think about these. Maybe it'll be legal by the time he grows up. That'd be nice. (laughs) That would be nice. So to go on with the story, rats don't self-administer the compound in the lab. It's virtually impossible. Wait, wait, uh, you know, a step down from that for real quick. For sure. those that are out, there are a lot of people out there that believe marijuana is addictive. I don't care what you say. It's addictive. Look, the science says it's not addictive. 
Now, there are people that can get addicted to anything. Some There are people out there that have addictive personalities, and they'd get addicted if they ate ice cream every night at 10 o'clock. They'd need to have their bowl of ice cream, and they'd have a bit of a little fit if they didn't have their ice cream. This is essentially how it is for people that smoke marijuana. Um, you can get addicted to marijuana if you're an addictive personality and you'd get addicted to anything, but you could get addicted to anything, so that doesn't make marijuana addictive. Marijuana is not addictive because rats won't self-administer. Yeah, and, and that's the, I mean they've done. Um, I'm trying to think of. I, was it cocaine? They they've done studies with addictive drugs like oh meth. I've seen this in uh, a documentary about meth, and the rats like they want you know what I mean. They'll go back to it as often as they can. And yep, I've also seen studies with monkeys and alcohol and the monkeys, some of them are alcoholics. Yep. They will keep going back for that alcohol. Well, you know, and I think that there's alcohol. I really do believe is far more addictive than, yes. than marijuana. For me, when I drink alcohol, if I drink alcohol in an evening, I want to continue drinking it through that evening until I get tired. And then I go to bed. Um, but you know, then I wake up the next morning with a headache. Right. So this is one of the reasons I choose not to drink alcohol and, you know, too often. I mean, I'm certainly, no teetotaler or anything like that, but I, I, I can't. I'm not going to have one beer every evening or something like that. I have found that wine doesn't bother me, whereas a beer, well, and those kind of things. Well, if you have a glass of wine, it may not bother you. If you right. drink a bottle of wine, you're going to feel it the next day. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've never drank a bottle of wine, so I wouldn't know. Huh. <laughs> no comment. No. Yeah. <laughs> Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Marijuana make you stupid? Yeah, I got any stories about uh, people with bad marijuana experiences? Give us a call, 855-450-3733 on the Sickle CAI line of Free Talk Live. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that crap's going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack a day smoker will save $120 a month and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell. No secondhand smoke. You could use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855 to get vapor or go to Vaporsmiths.com. I guess our board ops playing uh, new music for us. <laughs> it's uh, 855-450-3733. It's Mark. 
And Julia. Free Talk Live. So we're stunned by I music. Like, yeah, it's so funny because we're creatures of habit, us human beings. And <laughs> like when I don't hear the metal, I'm not like in show mode. I wasn't sure what was going yeah. on. <laughs> and I, isn't that Pink Floyd? I just would like to say... I hate Pink Floyd, if it is, and I think it I, is. I, I'll take anything at this point that isn't that long-haired devil music that Ian puts on. And um, <laughs> I don't even think Ian likes that music anymore, to be honest. No, no. He just came up with some music beds and doesn't want to do the work of yeah. uh, getting any new ones, I think. Uh, my opinion. So I, I applaud anything anything new here. Speaking of new, there's new show topics, new, new uh, stories all the time at freetalklive.com. It's... Uh, I'm getting a sorry. I'm getting IMs here and stuff, <laughs> saying that apparently there's some kind of technical difficulty. Anyway, at uh, freetalklive.com, you can go and uh, check out all the new stuff that uh, that people post. You can post things yourselves, blog posts, and that kind of thing. Go check it out. It's freetalklive.com. Ruger has some exciting new offerings for this model year. The LC9 is a new, slightly larger cousin to the very popular LCP. It's compact, has numerous safety features, a three-dot sight system, and Ruger always has and always will mean rugged. The Ruger LC9, the next handgun you must own, made in America and made for you, Ruger.com. Julia, let's talk about, uh, oh, uh, actually, we've got a call here. Let's, I, I'm all out of sorts with the, uh, the new music. <laughs> let's go to John in Huntsville. John. Hello? Can you hear me? Hey, what's up, Mark? Not a lot. Hanging out, doing a radio show. What's up with you? Right. <laughs> uh, just hanging out. Uh, I just wanted to chime in on this whole uh, marijuana subject. Okay. Uh, I myself am a chronic user. What's uh, that mean? Uh, I'd say I probably smoke about five to seven times a day. Okay. Uh, Sounds like a chronic user. Like a bowl, you know, here and there. Um, yeah, chronic Does it even user, get you high uh, anymore? Well, that's the thing. Uh, it, it does, but I would not compare it to the probably first year or two that I ever smoked, okay. where you know you smoke and then you get into this you know just super high realm of real non reality or whatever. <laughs> but it's um, it's definitely different when you start start out. I would I would just chime in with that uh, that in my personal opinion and experience, every drug is like that. I mean, alcohol is not the same as it oh, once sure. was. Uh, changes your brain chemistry. So a variety I mean, to, of yeah. drugs that I've done, right. uh, LSD, MDMA. These all the, the experience changes over time as you get used to it. But go on. Absolutely. Sure, and um, I, I just kind of wanted to go into the addiction side of things. Um, I've always been like a preacher of you know legalizing pot, and I you know I've always been talking to my friends, just naming off the millions of reasons of why it should be legal. But um, one of the main things that, as you guys touched on, is the people claim that it's non-addictive, and and I believe that it is physically non-addictive. Um, I I would be one to propose that it is possibly mentally addictive. Um, I you know as I said, I've I've been a chronic user for probably about five years now of just solid everyday smoking, and um, any time I've tried to put it down or tried to stop, I've had absolutely no success, and the next day I'm fiending so hard to smoke. Sure. And, like, I just have to have it to the point that I'm calling everyone I know to get it. Now, now granted, I wouldn't, you know, give out sexual favors for marijuana, as some people might do for a harder drug such as heroin or something like that. But um, I will say that I get super, super stressed out when I don't have it, and uh, it's really like a safety thing for me. Like, it's like a comfort blanket, if you will. <laughs> 
I would agree that that definitely is the case for a lot of people that that some people would would absolutely say that marijuana is psychologically addictive. But like you pointed out, I would say that the withdrawals from that psychological addiction are nothing like amphetamine, alcohol, nicotine even. Also, sure. I'd, I'd like to ask you this, John. I mean, would you call yourself an addictive personality? Um, to be absolutely honest, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that that's... The, the, the addictive personality is more likely to get into a pattern of smoking marijuana five to seven times a day. And, sure. I, you know, in and for that person, yeah, you're going to once you get used to doing something, you know, doing something new is going to bother you. I get, you know, I, I, I get um, upset when I'm out of town. I don't like being in new different places very much. This didn't used to be the case right. for me, but it is now. That doesn't make me addicted to being in town. It makes me kind of nervous and, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's 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 an issue with me, not an issue with, um, you know, the town that I'm in. <laughs> and, sure, sure. And I, and I would agree with that point. And as I said, I'm, I'm a complete advocate for marijuana yeah. and legalizing it. So I would definitely agree with you there. And I'm trying to come up with, you know, how to properly describe it because there is this there's this collapse in our society between things that are physically addictive um, and, and the verbiage for things that are physically addictive and the verbiage for things that are uh, addictive to that, that people that have addictive personalities might get addicted to a person sure. with an uh, addictive personality can frankly get addicted to just about anything. And, um, you know, and marijuana isn't physically addictive, but it is a pleasant experience for a lot of people. And so, therefore, you're going to find people with addictive personalities getting addicted to it because it's a pleasant experience. And that's why I always come up with the use the example of ice cream at night. If you had a bowl of ice cream every night at 10 p.m., you're probably going to be pretty grumpy and not want to, you know, you're not going to sleep as well. And and things aren't going to go as well for you because you didn't get your ice cream. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and on the point where you mentioned um, some people having a bad experience when they first smoke, yeah, um, I've been around people that have had this kind of effect, uh, especially being such a strong smoker. I'm often the one that's offering it to someone for the first time. And uh, seeing certain personalities try marijuana, you definitely realize that the ones that tend to, uh, quote-unquote, freak out are the types that are very self-conscious, uh, very worried about what others think about them, mm-hmm. and uh, they tend to, when they get high, I believe they kind of uh, get a bit introspective and start thinking, uh, you know, is everyone looking at me? Am I acting okay? You know, it's the people that already kind of have issues with that that seem to have an even worse issue with letting loose, you know, uh, getting high. Yeah, it could be true. I've certainly, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've seen people react that way and had that experience. I, i my first time was nearly hallucinogenic, and um, you know it was just so much for me to handle. What's that? The first time I smoked, I said, "Wait a minute, God doesn't exist." <laughs> free talk live eight five five four five zero free. Thanks, John. Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Tollhouse Refrigerated Cookie Dough. Who would you bake some love for? Find fun and easy baking ideas at tollhouse.com. Kids love doing arts and crafts projects, especially when you join in. Try channeling all that artistic energy into the kitchen and bake up some creative treats together. Think of your art supplies as the frosting, sprinkles, and decorating gels, and use cookies or cupcakes as your canvas. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. 
Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. This is the live post-Labor Day edition with Mark. And Julia. We are on day 28 of the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up. And uh, you can go find out all the news about Free Talk Live by going to news.freetalklive.com. You'll find out when Ian's out. If you go ahead and sign up for the emailed updates at news.freetalklive.com. You can also sign up for our Twitter, our Facebook. It's all right there at news.freetalklive.com. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com, they're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices, in fact, are so low there on the website that they can't even be mentioned on the air. Get an additional 5% off their already low prices with coupon code FTL. FTLs and Free Talk Live. You can get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. So, Julia, let's go to the phones here. Talk to Chris in Michigan. Chris? Chris, can you hear me now? I think there's some button that is not pushed here on our board. Chris, can you hear me now? Chris, can you hear me now? Ian back in 32 days, hopefully. Let's try this. Chris, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, gotcha. Okay, cool. It's your brother, Julia, pushing little buttons on this damn board. He won't leave them alone. He was always a button pusher. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Uh, well, uh, I'm in Michigan. Michigan's one of the uh, few medical marijuana states. And uh, what are we doing here in Michigan? There's about 15 of them. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah it's definitely a growing number. Uh, what they're doing here in Michigan could just as easily have been done, or if it hasn't been done already, could happen in uh, any of the other states. Uh, we'll pr- tomorrow we'll do a protest for two of the bills here in the state, uh, one of which was Senate Bill 377 and, and House Bill 4661. Uh, they make a few adjustments to the medical marijuana laws, and uh, it's going to affect a lot of people. And for me, an anti-state perspective, I could see the potential for the state to really abuse these adjustments that are happening. And the adjustments that could happen to people, uh, one of which are the state police department will be granted a list of all of the patients who are currently uh, carrying members, either caregivers who are allowed to grow uh, plants or uh, patients themselves, and this information will be readily available to any uh, officer upon pulling up the information of the person. You know, if they're pulling them over, questioning them, anything, uh, that information will be readily available to them to be able, a database they're going to create. The big fear I have about this is with the corruption that we currently have with police force, if you get pulled over and your name appears on this list saying that you're a card carrier, this officer, let's say you just swerved or whatever, and you're completely sober, this officer could easily take you in. Just because you show up on that list, you get a blood test, you're probably going to test positive for THC just because you've been smoking in the past month even. They do, have, they do have a test to find out whether saliva, or not you're driving right? stoned. Saliva. Ex- what is I think it's saliva, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. The swab test the saliva that they do. I've heard about this. And um, I don't know if, unfortunately, if they use it in Michigan or not because I've never, anytime I've been pulled over, if I have been appeared to be stoned or anything i've uh, been given a sobriety test they've never given me a swab test or anything the swab te- it is i don't know about the swab test i do know that there is a test that they can administer to find out whether you're stoned or stoned or not and it's expensive to do 
and uh, but it is uh, you know it, it is ac- as accurate as they get far more accurate than taking you know some blood or, or urine or something like that knowing that you've smoked in the last 30 days which is of no help to decide whether or not you've been driving will they try to convict you for driving under the influence if uh, they take just a urinalysis test sure they'll try to convict you they don't care i mean you know it's all about the money for them but you can demand one of these other tests, and if they don't give it to you, then um, the you know the test would be thrown out if you actually took it to court instead of just plea bargaining your way out of it. So ninety nine percent people go with the plea bargain. Well, so people people need to know that, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm totally for saying no to the plea. Um, now another thing it'll end up doing on here is when you do go to register as either a caregiver or a patient, they have what they currently consider. Uh, need to know information in order for you to get that, which is you need a physician's note saying that he'd recommend saying, hey, this is plausible to help the condition that they're suffering from. Mm-hmm. And you need to be of age and you have to have a valid driver's license or state license, those types of things. This bill also uh, changes that and it uh, notates on there where it will be um, information. Basically, I don't think back to Burbage and Fremings Network, but basically what it ends up doing is it's a lot, it gives them an undefined amount of information beyond what it currently says. It's basically any information that the state deems necessary um, that they are you you have to surrender to them. And I think that's kind of a violation of privacy. You know, if you get any sort of other medication, um, they're not going to ask those types of questions. I'm not really sure what they could ask, but anytime there's any sort of legislation that leaves a really open-ended statement in the legislation, uh, you know, with like the whole reasonable doubt or false oh, sure. suspicion or anything like that, it's definitely a lot of room for abuse. Um, yeah, they... So that's one thing that... that I hate I hate it when they have some kind of uh, ambiguous statement in the law about well you know if the co- if the officer sen- considers it to be reasonable uh, then it's fine we you know I mean the officer thinks it's reasonable that he does whatever he wants and you know exactly. sadly there are a certain number of police officers who have this personality that they can you know they can they 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 can do whatever they want and everybody in fact uh, will will be a petty tyrant at some point in their life that means that yeah. every police officer is open to abusing their power exactly. So those are the two big points in there. There's a few other changes that make, so I'm going to detail those. And the other bill we were talking about was uh, HP 4661 in Michigan. That one uh, redefines where you're allowed to um, where you're allowed to cultivate. With that one, uh, it says that you can't within 500 feet of a place of worship, a school, or a daycare, as defined by uh, the MCL. If you get the number of us in Michigan, uh, what that ends up doing, uh, it doesn't seem that at all. 500 feet, you know, that's what. Like maybe a city block, if that doesn't seem that bad. But when you look around the communities around, especially in the city or township, that really narrows it down. And when you go to look at what that MCL they refer to is actually the Environmental Protection Agency Act that was passed, is what they're referring to. How they break down the daycares, I'm not entirely sure. So I did some research on that, and that's any non-residential location that uh, that takes care of a minor for more than or for less than 24 hours. According to the uh, Michigan Medical Marijuana Association, they say that rules out about 90% of communities in Michigan. I did some number crunching. Uh, A 2000 survey that was performed on people at worship is about 1.7. They're practicing worshipers attend an actual place of worship in Michigan. And then there's a, I'll say it was 2.4. And then you have another 1.7 that are actually students in Michigan, both public and private. Our population is just under 9.9 million. So we're looking at close to half the people in here all will be using one of these facilities that reduce that. So what that ends up doing is it really corners any of the current patients because the caregivers, if they're within those, have to shut up shop or else they get felony charges 
go up to five years and two thousand dollar fine. Uh, and that bill also makes it so they're not allowed to transfer between caregivers without going through the state bureaucracy and they have to have mitigating circumstances why they have to leave that caregiver and to go to another caregiver. The big reason for that was to shut down the dispensaries, which, like the other fifteen, other 14 states that currently have medical marijuana laws, the DEA is unrating them anyways. But, uh, so what's the claim? What is the claim by these uh, the, the lawmakers and the bureaucrats that the abuses are going on? I mean, what's the, the, the terrible effect of uh, some people um, you know, using marijuana to, to solve their medical problems? I mean, it, surely they're instituting these laws because there's been some kind of problem, right? Yeah, their claim is because these dispens- the dispensaries, uh, when they first passed the law here in Michigan, they didn't make any verbiage as far as dispensaries or compassion clubs go. And uh, so it left it really open to interpretation. And so a caregiver who was allowed to have five patients under their care, as far as the law is concerned, was allowed to transfer patients uh, on a whim pretty much. They just had to fill up the paperwork themselves, send it in. As long as the paperwork was sent in, effective immediately, from what I understand, they could go ahead and change patients. Well, doing so, they were able to create these compassion clubs uh, or even dispensaries, and they claim that the dispensaries are attracting not people who are lawful medical marijuana users, but instead are just a bunch of potheads who are trying to score pot, which I think is hilarious in the first place, considering the fact that they gave them the license to begin with. They figured they should have kind of caught it there and then, because uh, this does affect people who are actual medical marijuana patients. Um, so that's the big thing. Is I we'll got you. On the dispensary. Kind Thanks of for the, the call, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com lc9. Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Give us a call, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Or we can continue talking about the marijuana topic, which uh, it's very interesting here, an article as to whether or not marijuana makes you stupid. But first, you know that cigarettes are bad for your health. You've probably been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. It's 22,000 times healthier. Listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will already save about $120 a month, so you'll already start being richer, feeling better, and smelling better. How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. That's FTL as in Free Talk Live. And you'll get a free starter kit. You'll also get free shipping because the it's more than $60. I think it's $69 for the uh, 40 cartomizers. Those are the things that hold the nicotine. You can get it at 855 855- to get vapor or vaporsmiths.com again it's 855 to get vapor vaporsmiths.com julia continue with the article if you would please okay the case for marijuana abuse has always stemmed from its cognitive effects while cigarettes are like like caffeinated smoke they increase attention and productivity marijuana is the drug of choice for slackers hippies and seth rogan i don't know okay 
In popular culture. It's another I, one of those, uh, the, the entertainment section on Trivial Pursuit. I know who uh, Joe Rogan is. Okay. You don't, don't know who that is? I don't know any of these people. No. <laughs> okay. In popular culture, all it takes is one hit from a bong before people become ridiculously dumb, unable to solve the simplest problems, or utter a coherent sentence. Potheads eat a lot and laugh at stupid jokes. The, la- the larger worry, of course, is that such damage is enduring and that smoking dope permanently impedes learning and memory. That, at least, has been the collective stereotype for decades. There's even some science to back it up, especially when the marijuana use begins at an early age. But now a different answer is beginning to emerge, thanks to an authoritative new study led by Robert Tate at the Australian National University. The scientists look at the long-term cognitive effects of marijuana use in nearly 2,000 subjects from the ages of 20 to 24. The subjects were divided based on self-reports into several different categories, from total abstainers to current light users, to former heavy users. Over the course of eight years, the scientists gave the subjects a battery of standard cognitive tests, most of which focused on working memory, verbal memory, and intelligence. One of the important advantages of the study is that the the scientists controlled for a number of relevant variables, such as education and gender. So, it's... So... Are they I'm suggesting seeing, okay. the gender can make you dumb? Go ahead. Oh, I was saying I'm seeing like cross-eyed here. The way the microphone is, you it know does. what I mean? It's and it's it's hard. It's hard to concentrate. So I, tough, I yeah. apologize for that. <laughs> I fixed it. I think. Um, uh, in time, Maya, I can't pronounce her last name, explains why the statistical adjustment is necessary. The lower education levels of the pot smokers and their greater likelihood of being male had made it look like marijuana had significantly affected their intelligence. In fact, men simply tend to do worse than women on tests of verbal intelligence, while women generally underperform on math tests. Interesting. The relative weighing of the tests made the impact of pot look worse than it really is. That's according to some scientist, I guess. I'm going to take their word for it. Yeah. Uh, Once these population differences... If if all they did was control for gender and education, then that seems fine. I mean, if if you control for those things, then that's okay. That's all it's going to do is tell you, you know, how the young males perform against the young males, the young females against the young females, the old females against the old females, and the old males against the old males. Right. Whatever groups. Exactly. Once the population differences were corrected for, the long-term effects of marijuana use disappeared. The scientists found that there were no significant differences between the group at all. In other words, the amount of pot consumed had no measurable impact on cognitive performance. The sole exception was performance on a test of short-term verbal memory in which current heavy users performed slightly worse than former users. So basically, once you stop using, you just go back to normal or is what they're suggesting here. Okay. The research is... Researchers conclude that contrary to earlier findings, the mind-altering properties of marijuana are fleeting. The adverse effects of cannabis use on cognitive function either appear to be related to pre-existing factors or are reversible in in this community, even after potentially extended periods of use. These findings may be useful in motivating individuals to lower cannabis use, even after an extensive history of heavy intake. Now, that's an interesting point. If you're, if you're dumb, you're just dumb, is what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. Which makes sense. But what I was saying is, it's interesting here that that these findings 
there are some people out there would say that, you know, this is bad, right? You shouldn't tell people this. But these people are saying, you know, maybe it's some people might say, well, I've smoked this long and I've smoked. I'm like dumb and I'm, there's no coming back for me. So I might as well continue to smoke like this. And they're say, suggesting that evidence like this could make people say, hmm, well, it's not long term. Maybe I should cut down a little bit. Well, I wonder how long, how short term it is. I mean, are we? T- what is short term, and how short term is short term? Obviously, that they don't address that in this. No. This is about long term. But um, I haven't, uh, you know, I've smoked marijuana in my life, and I haven't felt dumber the next day. Frankly, no, me um, neither. I, mean, I have felt dumber the next day after a heavy night of drinking. Indeed, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just. I, I haven't had too many, too much as far as a hangover goes from marijuana, but I've had terrible hangovers from alcohol. You know, it seems to me that whatever effects are as far as uh, marijuana, that they certainly are when you're, you know, smoked it or consumed it in whatever way, but that they kind of go away as it goes away. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, is that the story? Oh, there's so much more. <laughs> are there some good quotes here? I mean, more statistics? This, it's, well, not really. I mean, it's it's going on to just talk about uh, like the study builds on the previous work of a Harvard researcher demonstrating that learning and memory impairments of heavy marijuana users typically vanish within 28 days. So you asked, okay, how long? They're saying after you stop smoking for about a month, basically, any ill effects that you might be feeling would, and that go would be away. for heavy smokers. I heavy. don't know that I would ever have fall, fallen into the category of a heavy smoker. See, so. I think I would have. You know, and I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that I ever had really any negative effects from smoking marijuana, except that I was a little sleepy. You know, like marijuana just puts me in a bed at this point in time. Mm. I, it doesn't, it just makes me tired and it doesn't last till the next day. I, yeah, I mean, it does, you know what, obviously it would go away. I mean, if you take a, even if you took a nap, it, it generally is gone. Yeah, away. exactly. I don't know. It doesn't seem to me like the effects go on for very long. But then again, that's only my personal experience. And scientists are doing science here. So yeah, um, I'd much rather hear what the scientists have to say. Well, several days might seem like a long hangover. So, oh, OK, I missed one sentence here. They're saying that uh, a slight impairment. Now, I've heard this before. A slight impairment exists while you aren't high anymore. Typically one week after smoking. I've heard this before. I don't know if I believe it. Like, I've heard that marijuana stays in your cells, so because of that, like, you stay kind of high. And- well, I, I think it's unfair of us to choose to believe what we wish to believe out of this article if we expect other people to believe what uh, we want them to believe out of this article. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. If the scientists are saying that uh, the people are impaired, it doesn't mean that we would even know. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say, by the way, that I don't really smoke a lot of pot these days at all. So I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not like I'm not trying to justify this for myself. I'm just talking about based on my past experience in which I have smoked copious amounts of marijuana. Far less marijuana than used to. Yes. Uh, While several days might seem like a long hangover, heavy alcohol users typically experience deficits that persist for several months, if not years. In other words, heavy marijuana use appears to be a lot less damaged than alcoholism, which I feel is, ob- I mean, is there anybody out there who disagrees with that? Please call if, if you do. <laughs> Not too many people would uh, would defend alcohol use. So we did have one guy call in and say, well, you can have just one beer and, you know, therefore alcohol is better than, than marijuana because you won't be affected by just one beer, which of course isn't true. You will be affected yes. by just one beer, <laughs> but... You know, I can have just one to say I get he's trying to suggest that you like once you're high, you're high. But I can tell you right now, buddy, one hit off a joint and two blunts to your face. 
totally different things. Yeah. Sorry. So there's right. There's um, there's consuming a little alcohol and smoking a little marijuana. There's consuming a lot of alcohol and smoking a lot of marijuana. Right. Um, you know, if you're going to feel a heck of a lot better in the morning and you're going to make fewer bad decisions by smoking a lot of marijuana than you will by uh, drinking a lot of alcohol. I'm not Agreed. advocating the smoking a lot of marijuana. I don't think that's a great idea. I'm Seems just like saying, a waste of marijuana to me. Well, it, uh, you know, it, it, I, like I said, I think that when people do marijuana, usually for the first times that they can have, they can have some bad experiences. And, uh, you know, I don't want people to be in the circumstance where they're having that experience by themselves. Um, yeah. You know, they, you know, you do want a babysitter if, if something, if you were doing something like that. And in the same way that I wouldn't want um, my child to be drinking alcohol, um, you know, without with his friends making bad decisions the first time either. So. Your thoughts, 855-450-3733. Is alcohol better than marijuana? You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about bitcoins at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. It's Mark with you. And Julia. And um, you can go check out freetalklive.com. We we make it easy for you to get involved on the website, get upload stories you're interested in there. People can vote them up. You can vote up other people's stories. It's quite interactive. Go check out the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com, one of the most visited pages. It uh, shows the Shrine of Female Listeners, where uh, ladies prove that they listen to Free Talk Live in all kinds of interesting, different ways. It's shrine.freetalklive.com. Julia, there's an interesting article here from um, msn.com. It says, town slams brakes on traffic tickets, but apparently the result has been fewer accidents. Love it. One uh, would, you know, cops and uh, people, authoritarian types would have you believe that somehow giving out traffic tickets makes the roads safer. But this is counter to that. Uh, you know, they have no statistics to prove it. They just say it. And what it really makes them is money. Yes, does that. Here we go. From uh, uh, MSN.com, it says, uh, Speeders venturing off of I-80 in Northern California shouldn't get the wrong idea. The little city of Roseville, north of Sacramento, hasn't nixed ticket, traffic tickets altogether, but it has cut the number of moving citations issued by a striking 84%. Wow. That is humongous. And no one's complaining. It's a huge drop. Drivers received 1,317 tickets in the first six months of 2011, compared with the 8,236 in the same time last year. After city manager Ray Courage, a former engineer, said he wanted police to focus on a long-term solutions and not feel pressured to write tickets. 
nor did he want drivers to feel abused by speed traps. Officers are now assigned dangerous areas and asked to be creative, consulting with community leaders and traffic engineers if need be. If collisions are high in one intersection, tell me how to solve that, Roseville Police Chief Daniel Ha says. Han Han. It might be red lights or erecting a median or simply beefing up presence at a certain hours. Well, the whole time you're doing that, um, that you're not writing tickets, you're solving the problem. You're permanently solving the problem, says Han. And these guys sound like they're being pretty progressive about this whole idea. It's uh, very interesting to me. The results so far? The number of traffic accidents in Roseville, population 115,000, is down by 7% in the first six months of the year. So that's just in the first in, in the t- time frame that they cut down writing the tickets. That's when the accidents are down. One might assume that it, you know, it's possible they could go down further. Who knows? Fewer tickets, fewer, fewer accidents, cheaper insurance. Why not do this everywhere? Aren't traffic tickets all about safety? In 1903, when New York City adopted William P. Eno's Rules of the Road, the foundation of a modern traffic protocol, the city immediately created a concurrent battalion of police to enforce those rules. This was decades before the states began issuing driver's licenses in 1930s. Still, it was wise thinking. Modern academic research supports the notion that drivers are far more likely to obey traffic laws when they fear getting caught. Knowing how much your car insurance rates could rise is also a deterrent. The question is whether traffic tickets are the only solution or, as the budding example of Roseville indicates, might issuing more tickets even be the, uh, be the poorer option? Given the toll traffic incidents, 33,000 deaths a year, and at least um, the, the toll of traffic in- accidents here, excuse me, 33,000 deaths a year and at least $150 billion in associated annual costs, even those who oppose aggressive, uh, aggressive enforcement measures uh, don't want to risk road safety. An officer with a hammer, to an officer with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Citations are needed and tickets are never going to go away, Han says, but citations often offer temporary relief only. I don't think you can say this is my uh, this is my solution to everything. You have to allow people to use their intelligence and be innovative. So, I mean, it's it's very interesting. The, a government agency trying to be innovative. I certainly applaud that. I don't think those words usually go together. Well, they're not incentivized necessarily to do so. No. Because what they're not mentioning here is revenues down for this town. Really? I mean, it has to be. They, they get money from these tickets. It's true. There are lots of towns that, uh, you know, that's a huge line item for them is writing tickets. Many of these towns that are from, they're, they're in between one place and another place where people will often head through. They'll take the opportunity to essentially tax passers through by giving them tickets. Waldo, and Florida. Waldo, Florida is just one of a myriad of, of examples of places that manage to, uh, you know, <laughs> get huge budgets by going after anybody they can go after. If you're going through Waldo, for, Florida, and I think it's uh, Route 41 or 301 in, in, in Florida, you need, totally need to slow down and go speed limits. Yeah. Um. I, I believe, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it's my understanding that in the 70s there was a national speed limit proposed, and and uh, at the time of, it was 55. This was a national speed limit, and accidents went up, and when they got rid of it, they went back down. 
I don't know about the um, relationship to accidents, but I do know that they did have a national speed limit called, uh, you know, of uh, 55. And it was, you know, it's just too slow. The idea is, is that if you go slower, you'll you'll burn less gas. And I think that, yeah, if I think if they wanted to make cars that would burn less gas by going at higher speeds, they could do that. I don't know why they choose not to to gear them for that, but you know they they must have their reasons. I I don't know what they are. The problem, critics say, is that tickets offer some attractive perks that can lead to overuse, namely quick revenue for strapped municipalities and a simplistic way to supposedly measure an officer's work. And, you know, this is this is another aspect that that people, you know, aren't really looking at necessarily. Some cops don't want to work and maybe they're not going to propose solutions to how to handle bad traffic areas. Maybe they're not going to do these things. Maybe they're just going to sit in their car and take a nap. If you, at least if they're handing out tickets, you can measure their work in some, uh, you know, there's some metric for measuring their work. In many states, ticket quotas unofficially used for whatever reason are expressly outlawed. In some states, uh, cities that collect too much in ticket revenue must relinquish the excess. I believe here, actually, in New Hampshire, that no city gets to keep the revenue uh, from the tickets. And really? so, therefore, consequently, I, I believe police officers are less likely to write a ticket uh, for something that they don't consider to be terribly egregious. And I've had a couple of instances where I've been pulled over by Keene PD, and they could have get me, given me a ticket if they had chosen to, and they chose not to. So, what an average um, with an average of $120 to $150 each, tickets generate $4.5 billion to six billion annually the national motorist association estimates um every jurisdiction is hungry for money and the way that they can get it is to uh, offer overtime and the uh, guys with the heavy pencils will get the overtime says casey raskob a new york traffic lawyer and this is probably true right (laughs) They, they want the guys the cops that are out there writing tickets you know the ones generating the revenue it's true let's go to benjamin in california benjamin What's going on? Well, I heard you guys talking about uh, traffic enforcement there in Roseville. Yes. And I live, I live uh, just a little north of Roseville, and actually they've done several interesting things over the past several years. Um, a few years ago, they got rid of their red light cameras, the red light ticket cameras, uh-huh. uh, because they weren't increasing safety. Um, they and they don't. <laughs> red light ticket cameras, right. ticket cameras really don't increase safety. They they increase uh, rear rear end collisions. I, I do understand they they decrease T bone collisions, but they increase uh, rear end collisions by a higher percentage. Right, but there's other things that could be done that are far more effective, even for reducing the T bone collisions. Okay. Um, something else Roseville did uh, for a while when they would pull someone over for say running a stop sign, right, which is a um, a state law that you're, you know, that you would be breaking. Yep. They actually passed their own ordinances for minor traffic infractions. So what would happen is, let's say... Wait just a second, run. Benjamin. I uh, want you to tell me the story, but I want you to hold on just a moment. 855-450-3733. That's the Free Talk Live call, toll-free call-in line sponsored by SACL CAI. Hi. 
I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. Go check out the listening options at freetalklive.com. We have all kinds of different ways that you can listen to the show, depending on where you are, what your circumstance is. We've got uh, the live streams on the Internet, the radio, uh, you know, all kinds of radio stations, 109 radio stations across America, the satellite options, uh, the webcam. Actually, I'm trying to make the webcam work now, frankly, uh, Doing this uh, technical stuff is not my strong suit. Listen lines where you can call in and uh, to a number and listen anywhere in the world that you can. Uh, well, you can pay the fees. It's listen.freetalklive.com. Not that it, we don't charge for it, but uh, you know it is not a long. It is not a toll-free call. Listen, uh, listen.freetalklive.com. What if you found out the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you could be part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Again, it's freestateproject.org. Let's go back to Benjamin in California. Let's see if I can push this button here. Benjamin. Can you hear me? Yep. Um, okay, so uh, not only has Roseville got rid of their red light cameras right. uh, several years ago, um, but the way it works in most cities, is if um, you commit a, a traffic violation, say running a stop sign, a cop will pull you over, write you a ticket, let's say for $200 or whatever. Sure. Most of that money goes to the state, and the local government doesn't see hardly any of that money because it was a state infraction. So what Roseville did is they passed their own city ordinances, um, uh, say m- making it running a stop sign only $100, so half a normal ticket, but they got to keep all of the money. And then they gave their officers the discretion of how they want to, which, uh, which law to apply, whether the ordinance, if it was like a minor thing, or the state, uh, state law, if it needed to go on someone's record. So uh, they were doing this because, well, their citizens were getting the tickets at half the cost. They were keeping all the money. Well, last year, the state of California passed a law making that illegal, saying cities couldn't do that. So my guess is the reason they're not focusing on enforcing uh, or not doing the saturation and writing lots of tickets is because they're not getting most of that money anyway. So they said, well, screw it. We'll just concentrate on making things safer. You know, it's um, it, it, it is. This is one thing uh, when it comes to tickets. If tickets are intended to make the road safer, then why can't I donate the money for the ticket to a local charity? If it really was about that, then that would be the issue. Yeah. Um, the suggestion is that, well, if you people aren't uh, weren't out there breaking the law, we wouldn't need police officers. Really? Well, police officers have increased, and there's no evidence that uh, traffic, uh, you know, traffic's uh, infractions have increased. People aren't worse drivers than they were ten years ago, but there are more cops than there were ten years ago. So, I don't think well, that that holds water. If writing tickets, if handing out these tickets made things safer, 
then why not make tickets, you know, for $10,000 a piece? I mean, people would drive really carefully then. Right. I think that if you want to, you know, if if deterrence are the way to go, put a giant uh, sharp spike in the middle of every uh, steering wheel and people will drive very, very carefully at that point. Right. Exactly. I mean, that doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. You know, well, and and, and this it really comes down to uh, it's not about safety. Um, You have uh, like uh, a local city here uh, put in the red light cameras and shortened the yellow light time. I mean, they, that is dangerous. They do it all the time. I mean, almost right. every city that puts these in, they'll what? Because what happens is politicians are kind of like crack addicts. Um, they they that money starts coming in. They put up the red light cameras, and the people that run, run red lights are getting uh, you know bumped. Also, a lot of times they'll catch people who are turning right at the uh, at the right the, at a red right on the red, which is perfectly okay. But how do you fight it? I mean, it's too much of a pain to fight it, so people just pay it. Besides that, um, you know, then revenue goes down as people say, well, I'm running red lights, I'm getting tickets, so I won't red light, run red lights anymore. So they start well, slamming the brakes on. Then uh, rear-end collisions increase, and the revenue goes down. Politicians say, well, we need this revenue. That revenue was really great last year. We need that more, more of that revenue. So they'll decrease the yellow light time to get more revenue so that people will accidentally run through the light and then they'll get it and then it'll decrease and then you know then over time people um, will you know decrease and and then they just keep on doing it until the the yellow light is just remarkably short and all they have is this increase in rear end collisions that's well, psychotic yeah and here in california running the, one of those red light uh, uh when uh, when you run a red light it's like $500 Jeez. even when it's turning right at a red and um, but you said people don't fight it because you know it's hard to get out of. Well, the fact is actually I, I know at least here, like with Red Flex, most of the letters that Red Flex sends out aren't actually tickets; they're confession forms. So they send you a letter going, "Was this you who ran the red light?" But you can take those, you can shred them, throw them away, never think about it again, and you don't have to pay. But they get a lot of people who just go and oh, well, they took a picture of me. Yeah, I guess I'll confess. Uh, I, I, you know. So they they take a, they don't just take a plea deal they confess Interesting. they got sent a letter that kind of looks like a ticket and makes makes it seem like it's authoritative but it's coming from a private company right. Very interesting. I, I didn't know that at all. I, that's, uh, I, wonder, I, I feel like in order for a private company to have the motivation to do something like that, they would have to have some sort of a deal with the state. I guess the state's buying the cameras, but the state the state probably um, you know rents them and then Redflex gets a percentage of the revenue. Yeah. That's as, as I understand it. Yeah, the way it works is like, uh, say, Marysville, California. They put in the red light cameras and they lease them for like, you know, 15 grand a month or whatever it is. And then um, Red Flex uh, sends out the tickets, um, and then any money that and and Marysville doesn't have to give them more than fifteen thousand dollars. But if they don't collect fifteen thousand dollars, then Red Flex keeps all of it. It's it's crazy. I don't think they actually make very much money, but basically it's a scam because you know they send out these confession forms. In in a lot of ways, it's a state sanctioned scam where the government. You know, involved with it. It's like if I said, "Hey, I want to go and and start scamming people," um, but don't worry, I'll cut the city in on it. Is what, that okay with you? You're going to run the lottery. Well, or something. You know? Right. I mean, the state's in all kinds of scams. That's yes. what they do. Right. right. I mean, it's nothing new. It's I'm just it's it's so it's so blatant. But um, if people just stopped confessing, or and, and it wouldn't make enough money for them to do it. I know, uh, like in Southern California. They recently decided to get rid of all their red light cameras because 
people just weren't responding and they couldn't, it wasn't financially feasible and it wasn't making people safer. So they finally just decide, okay, well, there's no excuse to keep them down. Yeah. So people just, you know, noncompliance, I guess, is, is the key there? Well, uh, you know, if it uh, I, people are going to be scared when they get something that looks official, the you know has to do with a ticket, camera, the whole thing. I mean, I can I can totally see why some people would be paying it, but word will get around over time, and people will cease to pay if they don't have to. This is what happened in Massachusetts with their uh, marijuana possession laws. Apparently, they dropped them down to basically a a civil violation, which isn't even criminal in any way. And it was a hundred bucks or something for possession. But if you didn't pay, they really couldn't do anything to you. So people just stopped paying. It's like parking tickets as long as they're not in your where you live, basically. But a lot of people pay pay those, too. A lot of people will pay parking tickets in towns that they they don't expect to ever go to again. Yeah. It's amazing. Ben, thanks for the call. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Call in. Talk about what you'd like to talk about. You can talk about tickets if you'd like. want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the porcupine realtor do you want a home with 20 acres a lakeside cabin any takers for renters buyers and sellers too mark warden is the guy for you porcupinerealtor.com Free Talk Live, 855-453-FREE. It's a single toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Julia. Are you tired of watching the value of the dollar plummet? Are you tired of banks charging you fees? Do you want to take back control of your own money? Take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency, and it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org to find out more about Bitcoins. Going back to this article about this town that has reduced the amount of uh, speeding tickets by a great deal, 85% that they were writing previously, and has uh, seen a diminishment in the number of traffic accidents. This article has um, some interesting facts on sort of uh, speeding and, and tickets and things like that. It's the speeding ticket treadmill here. The elected officials tend to deny that fines are used to generate revenue, but even objective research has supported the phenomenon. Drivers don't like it. Citizens don't like it, but perhaps no one dislikes the push for traffic tickets more than police officers themselves. They say the intricacy and delicacy of their job requires that they be allowed to select the best response for each situation. And issuing a ticket to meet department performance standards or city quotas is not always the best route to promoting public safety, police say. Police unions have uh, filed multiple lawsuits against the practice in municipalities around the country. In April, a jury awarded $2 million to two Los Angeles patrolmen who said they were retaliated against by police brass after complaining about the practice. Not all violations are created equal, and not all violators are created equal, says Jeffrey Silva, former patrol officer who now serves as a detective lieutenant and lawyer 
in Massachusetts. An experienced driver in good weather conditions in a car with good tires with no one on the road going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit is not the same as a 17-year-old with no experience bald tires in the rain with school in session, he says. And there are a million gradations between those two scenarios. I love that. Because that's one of the things that has always really bothered me about, I mean, government policies in general. They're very one-size-fits-all. They they seem to never take other factors into account. Right. So just hearing them talk about this, like, just warms my heart. Indeed. You know, <laughs> nighttime, daytime, I don't know whether, you know, I don't know what the factors are. I would say visibility is worse at night, but I would also say there are fewer people on the road. Daytime visibility is better. Obviously, more people on the road. Uh, depending on one's age as one gets older their reaction time is slower definitely good tires are are, are, you know a huge issue what are the weather conditions this is a big issue i'd say the condition of your car how you know what i mean because newer cars cars are certainly safer today than they than they ever have been i'll tell you so um today i used to have a 76 eldorado convertible um i really loved to drive that car and you would hear a lot more often when I was a kid the sound of screeching tires. The yeah, and it wasn't always followed by a kabam. Well, now if you hear screeching tires, it's always followed by a kabam because they're just it's such a more rare situation. And um, you know, cars have anti-lock brakes and things like that. So my car, if there was ever a traffic, I mean, it was so heavy. It was like. I don't know, 7,000 pounds or something like that, this giant automobile. And if I had to, to slam my brakes on for whatever reason, I was going to squeal those tires. I mean, there was just no doubt, you know, just no way not to squeal yeah. those tires. So people would just always, it would just immediately get their attention. <laughs> and um, yeah, it absolutely, the age of the vehicle is a huge issue as far as how safe it is. If you're driving a 76 Eldorado around um, that weighs like 7,000 pounds or something like that, and it's all sitting two and a half feet above the ground versus a a newer, lighter car that has good tires and has anti-lock brakes. You know, the weather conditions, all these things are are a huge issue. And they never want to talk about that. They just want to post a sign up there and say, follow that. That's what's safe. And it clearly, people feel like they can go faster than that and still operate in a safe fashion. I'm not saying that people don't operate, you know, there, there aren't people out there that operate their vehicles in unsafe fashions. But I think that in a lot of circumstances, Cops are just revenue generators. You know, I'm of the opinion that the majority of people drive as fast as they feel comfortable. For example, my mom, she is not a speeder. She does not have the lead foot. She drives under the speed limit. And I I think this is dangerous. I can remember her going like 45 on the highway, you know, because she was uncomfortable with the weather. Like she does not feel comfortable going over that speed. She feels like she's going to get in an accident. It bothers her and she won't go faster. I personally think that's more dangerous. I have always felt very comfortable driving, you know, in the 80s. And it for me, it depends on weather conditions. Now, in around here, Keene, the roads are really small. I don't drive 80 on these roads because it's, it's not safe. You know, people drive how they feel comfortable. I think that... The um, people that are going to speed, they're speeding anyway. I think there are people who... I think that that's true, that people are driving um, generally how they feel comfortable, but some people are wrong as to whether or not they are uh, driving at a safe speed. And, you know, I mean, I, I just know some of the things I did when I was a kid were really bad choices in automobiles. And 
Uh, but I tend to do what your, your mother does. Is frankly, when it's snowing outside, oh, yeah. you won't get me above forty miles an hour going home on uh, you know a state highway here. So it just it depends on the weather conditions for me. I agree that uh, younger people. I, I was the same way. I certainly am a way better driver now. What much more cautious and much more realistic. Not so full of myself as I was when I was a young person. Yep. But, you know, and I think insurance. If, if those people only had to deal with themselves, that would be one thing. Right. But uh, young people are on the roads with other people and they can create it, uh, traffic issues. I mean, if you look at the numbers, 16 to 18 year olds just have a heck of a lot more accidents yeah. than uh, people that are older than that. And and I think it takes, you know, maybe it takes a certain amount of experience to, to give them, you know, give them an idea of just how dangerous the roads can be. But. You know, I don't I don't have a solution. Some states are trying to make it so that you essentially can't get a driver's license until you're 18 years old. They're trying to raise the limit. Really? Uh, See, I, I don't dis- I don't agree with that because I think that I don't think that you're a better driver because you're 18. I think that by the time you're 18, you might be a little bit of a better driver because you've had the practice. Yep. You know what I mean? It just takes practice to get better at driving. Well, it's it's trying to come up with generalizations. Some people um, will never have an accident in their life. Uh, they will drive carefully. They will understand that these things are dangerous. Even at 16 years old, they will you know operate their motor vehicle in a um, you know a fair fashion. You're you're not talking about the majority of drivers um, that are under the age of 18 are acting in an unsafe fashion all the time. You're talking about a small minority of them that really just can't get it through their heads that um, this is dangerous and everybody acts in um, you know, a dangerous fashion to some extent on the road. Sadly, humans are, are dangers to themselves and others on the road. And sadly, also, the state's and are are trying to make it difficult for companies to come up with technology that will allow the cars to sort of drive themselves. This is actually interesting. I was I just renewed my insurance and I was kind of looking at the options for discounts and my insurance company has this new thing where you can get like a 30% discount on your insurance if you put this thing in your car. I, I'm not even sure how it works, but it's this new kinds of technology. It's called like Snapshot or something, and it judges how fast you're going and how basically in a, on a lot of different factors, how safe you're driving. And if you comply with it, then you get a, di- a huge discount on your insurance. So what's the comply? What do you have to comply? Well, you have to go a certain speed? I think that it has to do with speed. It may judge things like slamming on your brakes. You know what I mean? Those kinds of things. I only saw it and i said to myself you know that'd be great but i like to speed so i'm not going to bother because then they might raise my insurance (laughs) you know what i mean so i only briefly saw it but it's the first thing i've ever seen like that and i thought it was really cool i mean because people have that option out there i guess if i was poor enough i could say i'm not going to speed i'm going to take the (laughs) well i i I, I might the the fact is insurance is so cheap up here in New Hampshire that the the discount may not even be worth it at thirty percent to me just to uh, you know put some kind of tracking device in my car those things always bother me but I do have a camera in my car that records everything that's going on at all times and you can check it out it's the GPX GPS is a black box dash cam at freedomcam.net I got one of those and it's it's awesome that uh, you know I'm, I'm protected at audio and video recording at all times. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Uh, 
I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Give us a call at that number. Talk to you about anything you'd like to talk about. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable for businesses just like yours. SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charge off receivables. They do it in a manner that is respectful of your client. Check them out. Their banner is the uh, top one on the right-hand side of Free Talk Live. Longtime sponsor of Free Talk Live, the principal over there. Jason Osborne, big supporter of Liberty. Let's go to Daniel in Seattle. Daniel? Hey, good evening, guys. What's going on? Hey, I just wanted to point you guys to a website that I'm, you know, a show for them. I'm not affiliated with them, but it's a website I follow pretty closely about police misconduct. Okay. And they they track news reports of police misconduct, things like, you know, police beating people at traffic stops, asking for sexual favors in exchange for, you, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, you know, violent arrests. Sure. And it's uh, injust- injusticeeverywhere.com. Yeah, we've uh, we've actually talked about them on the air on multiple occasions. Oh, great. Well, that's good. <laughs> so uh, what's going on over there now? That uh, Anything exciting, or you just uh, thought that it would be a good idea oh, to call and talk about them? Well, I just, I just heard you guys I mean, recently talking. It seems like a little more than normal about police abuses, and I thought that might be. Yeah. Injustice everywhere. I believe the website was started by a guy who, you know, just sort of your normal guy who had some incident happen to him where just an incredible amount of injustice occurred to him. I think it might have been a situation where a bar fight occurred somewhere in the immediate vicinity of him. And, uh, you know, just just the 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 apparatus fell on him um, in such a way that it changed his life. And this kind of he he was beaten by the police or some, you know, just some ridiculous and left in a holding cell for a long period of time and all yeah, kinds of just stuff something insane like that yeah he's from seattle too yep so near me the story the story you can go read it there at injustice everywhere.com um but you know i mean this is this is what it's like when just some normal guy who's going about his normal life and like so many americans doesn't care about this issue it doesn't affect them they don't even think about it and then and it's not always cops. It's just the government. And, you know, so one way right. or another, this uh, this group of people that have no accountability for what it is they do or have le- less accountability is what I should say. They, they don't have any direct accountability. This guy can't sue those cops. And if he would have, you know, go ahead. It's, it seems almost like when, you, you know, go fishing, once you get a fish on the hook, he's on the hook for the rest of his life. And he decides only how long that's going to be. He's going to fight. It's going to be longer and dragged out. And it's only more painful for him. That's kind of how it feels like when these guys get a hold of you. Yeah, it's um, you know, <laughs> there doesn't there don't seem to be any checks and balances. Um, sadly, the, the 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 judges and the prosecutors and the cops they all sort of work together to just churn right, people through the, the system, guy, don't they? <laughs> they, they? They're getting they're getting their paychecks from the same organization. That much is for sure. Yeah, Daniel, thanks okay. for th- well. Uh... Thanks for the call. Eight five five four five zero. 
free. That's the Free Talk Live call in line, 855-450-3733. I saw a video a couple weeks ago or maybe days, I don't know. You see so many of these on a regular basis now, but I saw a uh, mentally handicapped guy getting tasered. There's been a couple of those. There was uh, this was this one in North Miami Beach. This one was in Arizona. Arizona. Uh, there was one out in uh, out in California somewhere. It's uh, the the name of the town is uh, escaping me. But there's Tal- California, North Miami Beach. I guess there's another one in Arizona. Um, you know, it's it's tough to it's tough stuff to see. And and this is the best way that uh, that the police seem to be able to handle these situations. And I think the only thing we can do. I think that sometimes cops have to use force. I don't have any doubt about that. But I think the only thing we can do is take video of it. And, um, you know, that way people can can see it for themselves. Let's go to Jay in San Diego. Jay? I'm calling because I started a new organization to uh, help promote free free thinking among the uh, youth of America. Okay. Yeah. Called the... Devout Atheist Foundation for Free Youth. Devout Atheist Foundation for Free Youth. Oh yeah, this is uh, is really important because um, you know, don't you hate it when you get these uh, religious radicals knocking on your door and uh, telling you to join their their faith? I don't know. I mean, um, you know, there are people coming by. Sometimes I've talked to them. Sometimes I haven't had the time. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that makes perfectly good sense. If you lived in a world where you believed that uh, the information that you had would save somebody's not just their life, but their eternal life, which is, uh, you know, so much more valuable, um, you'd think that that, you know, that that's a shows that that person cares, right? Oh, sure. And uh, well, what we're to do is uh, spread education and... Uh and because education is really the most important thing, what we've started to do is um, we've uh, we've gotten together all of these really important works by famous atheist authors, and we're, we're binding them together into one canon. And uh, one what? These, just uh, one canon, one large book full of stuff like Dawkins and. Uh, You're you know, making other... an atheist Bible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, the idea is to, uh, you know, we're going to equip uh, high school graduates at 18, and uh, we're going to send them... What's the name of the, this uh, website? <laughs> uh, well, I don't have a website yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm just trying to be a little sarcastic because lately I've encountered several militant atheists who are intent to... And I'm not a religious guy, but they seem like they really want to missionize me to atheism. I've seen this happen, um, you know, that where where it's, some people are just this sort of militant atheist thing. And, I, you know, they, they want to turn the conversation to atheism at every time. And if you think that's the most important conversation to be had in the world, okay. I suppose I think the most important conversation to be had is about human freedom. So I guess I'm just as much of a zealot as they are. Um, I, I I don't think it's the most important conversation to, to be had. And for me, atheism, you know, it, it it's like 
there is no God and I know there's no God. How can you possibly say that? I mean, yeah, there's, you know, technology is increasing to, to the extent that we're now able to measure things that we cannot see, we cannot hear, we cannot, um, you know, taste or smell or anything like that. Who's to say that technology won't increase to the point that we are not able to measure God? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'm just not prepared to go out on the limb and say there is no God. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm pretty much the same way. And That's it, why I, you can continue. Oh, it's just, uh, I just thought it, you know, it's, it's a pretty funny idea when you get a group of atheists missionizing on campus to uh, college students. Well, you know, uh, college students are more likely to mission uh, missionize on all kinds of different things. They, you know, they got lots of energy and uh, you know, um, they're passionate about things. They're experiencing new ideas. I, I'm not. I, I'm unsurprised, but uh, you know, don't worry. They'll grow out of it, Jay. Thanks for the call. This is why I started classifying myself as non-religious instead of an atheist. Yeah. Because I don't believe in God, but I also don't care to spend any time thinking about it. I'd rather just enjoy my life. I've met a lot of people, and I think that's term for that is a soft atheist. Um, and I've met a lot of people like that. And you know, it's a non-theist is what I call myself. Th- this is a conversation that many people don't want to have, and I would agree that uh, you know that <laughs> that even being evangelical in one way or another is going to turn a lot of people off and uh, upset them, and and you know you're just kind of upsetting their day. So. You know, whether it's atheism or freedom or uh, Christianity or whatever, there was a situation where, uh, um, you know, I, I was recently evangelized in a, a park here in, in Keene, New Hampshire, for a guy who wanted to talk about God. And, oh, boy, do you walk up on the wrong fella and try to evangelize me, especially when I'm not on the radio and trying to be nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know this stuff. I know it like the back of my hand. I went to, uh, you know, Christian school for nine years i taught at sunday school i've read the bible through at least three times uh, the new testament through like seven i know this stuff and to play the um you know god the bible has all the answers game with me is is a really it's a losing battle um so you know this guy tried to play that game with traditional christianity which i know a great deal about now if you've got some little spin on christianity i you know, I'll listen to whatever that spin is for a little while, but you know, it's, at some point or another, I'll know where to, where the holes are, and I'll start knocking them in. See, I just couldn't even have the conversation because I just know so little and care so little about Christianity. Yeah, guy wouldn't get far with me. It's interesting. Europe um, is, is almost, you know, almost entirely turned agnostic and atheist, and uh, the United States seems to be heading down that path. Uh, the older, the younger a person is, the less likely they are to be religious, and less likely to turn religious at some point in their life. Yeah. Good. Eight five five four five zero free. It's Free Talk Lives. Call in live. And now it's time for the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute with tips and advice on controlling your emotions so they don't control you. Here's New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer. You know, we have to be very wise when it comes to dealing with our feelings and our emotions. We have to understand that we all have them, but we can't let them rule over us. And we cannot really judge the value of any action by how we feel. I might not feel like getting up and going to work, but it would be valuable if I did. I might feel like staying home on a Sunday morning and not going to church, but it would mean more valuable to me if I got up and went. 
We may often feel like a war is going on within us. One part of us wants to do one thing, another part of us wants to do something else. We should always follow God's word, follow his principles, and not be led by our emotions because they will simply get us into trouble. For the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information to help you control your own emotions so they don't control you, please visit Joyce Meyer. That's M-E-Y-E-R dot org. The average person has 70,000 thoughts every day, and many of those thoughts trigger a corresponding emotion. In Living Beyond Your Feelings, Joyce Meyer examines the gamut of feelings that human beings experience. She discusses the way that the brain processes and stores memories and thoughts. Then, emotion by emotion, she explains how we can manage our reactions to those emotions. Living Beyond Your Feelings, the newest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You know, Free Talk Live is an interactive show. You can call in, talk about what you want to talk about. It's an interactive website. You can uh, go to uh, freetalklive.com, upload whatever you'd like to upload, and have at it. Vote up, vote out, vote down, whatever you'd like to do at freetalklive.com. We've actually got... uh, Luther in the studio now. Say hello, Luther. Hello, Luther. <laughs> Julia. And hello. Uh, let's go straight into the calls. It's Jay in Indianapolis. Jay. Hey, Mark, Luther. Julia. What's, go- what's going on? Hello. Hey, uh, okay, so I wanted to talk about the First Amendment. I know it changed the topic. I know it's Free Talk Live. We're allowed to do that. Um so my wife is uh, taking a college class, and uh, they were discussing the First Amendment. She posed an interesting question to me about the right to peaceably assemble. Okay. And uh, her question basically was, what is peaceably? What is what? Peaceably? Exam- peaceably, right. Yeah, because her example was uh, apparently at the World Trade meetings, you know, where there's always all those riots and protests and stuff. The G20s? Uh, something like okay. that. She said World Trade Organization, but, yep. you know, it's all the same, right? Okay. <laughs> so she said that uh, multiple hundreds of people uh, sat down in the middle of a public intersection. Yeah. Like in the middle of downtown, n- not not near the meeting place, just to grind traffic to a halt. Yep. And she was saying, you know, would that be peaceable? Because that seems fairly intrusive and aggressive. Yep. Um, so I was just wanting to get your thoughts on that because that, that was a very interesting question. I, I, um, you know, when it comes to this one, I, I understand, I think the problem is the tragedy of the commons, frankly. Um, I think that, uh, the government it, it is an organization that takes money from everybody and then attempts to sort of use it in fashions that make things go sort of orderly or whatever. I think roads are for driving on, sidewalks are for walking on, and, um, you know, that kind of thing. And I I get that if you have too many people on the sidewalk and people can't get through, that, you know, the accommodations must be made. I don't think protesters belong out in the road um, and, you know, under under most circumstances, they do not 
belong in the road. But one also has to remember that there's a history of this. I believe that during the civil rights movement in the uh, 60s, early 60s, that uh, they actually used this method. Um, and everybody exonerates in this the civil rights movement of all wrongs because of uh, you know the you know the, the egregiousness of the discrimination they dealt with. So I, I got to say, I don't think it's right to uh, stop traffic. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I pretty much agree, and that, that's what I was saying. Well, the problem is, is that the roads are owned by nobody and everybody, and that's kind of where the problem comes from. Yeah. Uh, the if, if, if you want your uh, civil uh, uprising, your uh, movement to have legs, you have to get people on your side. One surefire way to get people off of your side is to uh, interfere in them going back and forth to work. Sure, sure. I used to actually drive for a living. I would have to go from one client to the next, and it could be anywhere from, you know, here in Keene. I'd have to go over to Nashua, down into Massachusetts, over into Vermont. You know, and like if something was ever in my way, if something was blocking me, it would always piss me off because it would always set me behind at my work, you know, and I'd have to take the long way around or I'd have to sit and wait, you know, in traffic and... Just be bored out of my mind. That would certainly turn me off. When you boil it all down, we're just, uh, we're just, we're just, you know, the the monkeys on the savanna, and um, <laughs> you, 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 somebody who poses a threat, a hindrance, or an irritation to you is a bad person. When it when it all comes down to it, so people need to understand that when they're, uh, you know, doing their protests. So hipsters really are bad people. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even sure what a oh, hipster okay. is. You don't want to know. I don't think they know what it is either. Jay. No idea what a hipster is. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Jay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. 855-450-3733. Let's go to Dale in Kentucky. Dale? Mark, uh, good evening to you and free Ian Freeman. I'm with you. I want to uh, try out many reasons for calling in. I want to bring up, since you mentioned civil rights, i got a great story to, to bring in on the heels of that, but I also want to use it as a way to try out the amp line, so that just became an amplifier. Oh, awesome. Thanks well, that for doing fun. that. No problem. i got to do that. It's my way of saying death to the New World Order. And uh, <laughs> on the heels of the civil rights discussion, I thought a good discussion to bring up would be the wonderful MLK Memorial. I'm sure you guys are familiar of once uh, the hurricane came through, we put up this big white stone memorial of Dr. King. I've I've heard that it happened. I I heard there was a hubbub about it being white, which I, I suppose that that's interesting. Well, that's just funny. That's just the ironic part, because it did turn out to look like something like the love child of Mao Zedong and Tiger Woods or something. It's not really very... <laughs> Very, very dark in its complexion. But the, the best part about it, I guess, is twofold. Number one, the, the fact that the King family required $800,000 for permission to use his likeness, and, and thus it turned out to be white, so go figure. But I think Dr. King will be rolling in his grave uh, as sure the fact that as a public figure who fought for equality to pay for his family, that his likeness now comes back and demands $800,000 for the project. But that's, that's not even the kicker. The real kicker here is this, Mark, the fact that, you know, we all talk about these different snafus and gaffes that politicians make, like Michelle Bachman making her famous gaffes. But this one, I saw this over at Breitbart.com and a few other places, and maybe I'll find the time or motivation to put it up on the uh, pre-talk live page to vote up or down. But basically, the daughter of Dr. King had one of those moments where she said, that much like Daddy is remembered for standing up for truth and standing up for justice, 
Lincoln is remembered for signing the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking Lincoln would have had to go back and do his best leap for Bill and Ted's time machine, dating myself with that movie reference. But Lincoln would have had gone back several decades to make that. What do you think about that, Mark? Well, I think it's I think it's funny that she uh, confused the the Declaration of Independence with the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, I think that the opportunity really truly was lost that she could have made what uh, that she really could have truly pointed out that Abraham Lincoln never freed any. Anybody, and that mm-hmm. that um, it, you know that the the fact is that that he was if you look at his inaugural addresses and and that kind of thing he had no intention of truly freeing uh, slaves oh, he only did that as sort of a a psyop during the uh, yeah the, the, the so that War. the European powers wouldn't want to come on board with the Confederacy who was you know just a major <laughs> supplier of cotton and yep. uh, wheat I believe for them you know and. Uh, you know, it, like how, how if you were France or you were England, how could you be like, oh yeah, we we kind of want to be on on the slaveholder side after something like that came out? Yeah, I totally concur. And you can just go back and read books like The Real Lincoln and Lincoln Unmasked and things like that. I think the other night, uh, I think Mark, you might have had. I mostly listen to shows in the uh, in the podcast later on my on my MP3 player. I think it was a demo or someone else who actually brought up that in passing, got in a little shot about Lincoln not truly being the. Uh, Emancipator that he has claimed to be, especially here in this state of Kentucky, it's almost a heresy if you say something bad about about Lincoln or Muhammad Ali. Go figure. But uh, yeah, so it's like he, you know, the truth about the matter is he wasn't a big freer of slaves. It was convenient at the time. It was one of those put my fingers up in the wind and and see how the political winds are blowing. And I think I'll take this stance. And Eureka, I'm a hero now. Maybe I can get a uh, statue where later on they can say I claim to sign the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, well, um, you know, I guess it worked out for him. Um, there's, there's the unfortunate, uh, unfortunate assassination incident for him. But, um, you know, history is looking upon Lincoln very um, in, in a fashion that uh, you know holds him up as a hero. There's no doubt about it. Um, the, as far as the MLK memorial goes, I, I think it's, it's, it's a gaffe. I'm willing to forgive forgive her because m- many of these documents are, in fact, irrelevant to Americans. Um, they the the Declaration of Independence is a rhetorical document. It does not afford any American any sort of freedom. If you read the thing, you'd think it was written by an anarchist. Um, they um, you know, the government wants nothing to do with this thing in real life, and the Constitution is uh, sadly becoming just something that uh, that they keep it uh, um, in post offices and other you know government facilities because it looks good, and they don't. It's a symbol of their power, basically. Yeah. It's, it does you know, the, the freedom, they don't read it. I mean, it, they certainly don't, when they do read it, they don't interpret it the same way that I do. Chris, thank you for the call. Excuse me, uh, Dale, thank you for the call. Thank you. 855-450-3733, Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com.
855-450-3733. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I've got this groove thing going on tonight, and you kind of came here and just messed it all up. I'm sorry to throw off your groove. Luther's an interloper. (laughs) Welcome, Luther. You know, you can listen to talk radio and you hear uh, and uh, television a lot, too. You can hear a lot of ads for gold right now. Gold's uh, There's a big push on to buy gold. And I don't know how much farther it can go up. Some people are saying, uh, you know, the bubble's at its peak. Some people are saying it hasn't even gotten up to what it's, uh, you know, really worth yet. So I I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I can tell you that I am st- I'm actually in the process of purchasing more precious metals. So... I'm making that decision for myself. You may 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 want to make it for yourself. Go to gold.freetalklive.com if you wish to do so. Check out the prices we have there on some very commonly held uh, gold and silver pieces. We have some very special ones, too. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Get some great rates and support Free Talk Live. Gold.freetalklive.com. Story I wanted to get out because... You know, here on Free Talk Live, we don't uh, we we generally talk about how the government doesn't keep its promises, does bad things, and blah blah blah. And whenever I see it, I do like to point out when the government does something good and keeps its promise. This is from FoxNews.com: Obama administration to drop troop levels in Iraq to three thousand. The Obama administration has decided to drop the number of U.S. troops in Iraq at. At the end of the year, down to 3,000, making a major downgrade in force strength. Multiple sources familiar with the inner workings and decisions in the U.S. troop movements in Iraq told Fox News. Senior commanders are said to be livid at the decision, which has already been signed off by Defense Secretary Leon Panetta. Panetta touring sites Tuesday in advance of the September 11th, uh, 10th commemoration says no decision has been made on the number of troops in Iraq. Uh, that obviously will be the subject of negotiations with the Iraqis. And as a result of those negotiations, as I said, no decision has been made of what the number will be. Currently, about 45,000 U.S. troops are stationed in Iraq, and generals on the ground had requested a reduced number of troops remaining in Iraq at the end of the year. But there was a major pushback about the costs and uh, political optics uh, of keeping that many in Iraq. The troops, the, the military's troop level request was then reduced to 10,000. So Obama said that he was going to get the troops out of Iraq, and it looks like um, he's getting enough heat that. He's choosing to, um, you know, stick to his word. He as he's way over his what he originally promised, sure. isn't he? Like he gave a date when he was running. Yeah, well, elections are coming up. You know, you want this to be fresh in the voters' mind. <laughs> and I'm certainly cynical about, um, you know, the reasons why. But I'd like to see these diminished. I, I guess I have some questions. Um, how how many military contractors are going to stay? Because they, there's this huge number of guys that carry guns that uh, have been soldiers, been trained to be soldiers, that have now moved on to much higher paying jobs in um, organizations like uh, KBR and um, Blackwater. You know, I think they call it Z now or something like that. Um, you know, these organizations that essentially act like soldiers. And I, I would also like to know, is the Iraq military ready to, um, you know, to handle this? I, I think it was the most violent month in a year in Iraq, uh, you know, just uh, last month. So I'm, I'm not saying I don't want the troops out of there. I certainly do. I don't think the United States has any business there. But 3,000 troops, that's an awful lot to guard a, um, an embassy, isn't it? Uh, does it say how many are there now? Like how much they're cutting down? 
They're going from 45,000 to 3,000. 3,000, okay. Yeah. I don't wow. know if you said that already. I... Yeah, we did. Uh, but, okay. to, you know, we, I always thought, I thought it was 50,000, so, I mean, it's somewhere around what I thought it was. Well, so it's a know, big cut. 5,000 gets knocked off. <laughs> it's a reduction. I, I wonder whether they're going to be, you know, are these guys going to be sent home? Are they going to be sent to Afghanistan? What's going to be happening with them? Sure, like, guys sure. They and could gals, go to I Pakistan. They could go to, what is it, Syria? They could go to Libya. I don't think there. We don't have any troops on the ground. Syria, that like real troops on the ground. There. Oh, okay, it's Libya, Somalia. That might have been what you were thinking of. Uh, Pakistan, uh, Yemen. Um, the United States is apparently fighting on the side of a dictator in Yemen. Uh, it's it, you know all these sort of Libya. Uh, Libya, of course, is going on. Uh, just uh, news released this week that uh, now that they found Muammar Gaddafi's uh, papers. Oh well, let's release those. Turns out uh, MI6 and the CIA has been working hand in hand with the uh, Gaddafi regime for decades now and uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, just, oh when will they learn when will they ever learn that these agencies are not responsible for their actions and you know maybe to in some vague way they're looking out for what they think the best interest of the united states is but i can tell you that the best interest of the united states in a lot of cases is not the best interest of americans so uh I, I, maybe people will come to that conclusion. But I've got to say, I like the idea that they're diminishing the troops here. I wonder if something bad happens that they'll point to it and say, well, look, if we'd only had troops, then this wouldn't have happened or whatever. But you're never going to stop crime or rebellion or whatever in any of these countries. Um, you know, it's just that they have to find their own equilibrium. Going in there and creating their equilibrium for them isn't going to work. And there's no reason in the world why we should have to pay for it. That's what I find uh, most disagreeable here is that the United States government has its idea of how things should go. Sadly, in Iraq, they made a deal with Turkey from the from the onset that they weren't going to split Iraq into three countries. Remember, Iraq's covered by straight lines. It's not a real country. It was drawn on a map by some English guys back in uh, I think World it was the War One. Yeah, but post World War One. Yeah, and um, I think it was. Uh, you know, some sometime. Yeah, the, they were the, like, "You people are all going to be one country, now, right?" You know? so you got these these Sunnis and these Shiites and these Kurds living together. They'd all be much better off if they were, you know, sticking with their own little groups of folks that they prefer to get along with. Sadly, that's the way it goes, and that's you know, they they'd be better off that way. Yeah, um, we, we yeah, well, we're still feeling the uh, the effects of imperialism from the uh, you know the scramble in africa you know even before that in the uh 1800s it's, it just keeps on keeping on doesn't yeah, it yeah <laughs> it certainly does i mean that's that's really what was going i mean even uh, even here in the united states how many things are left over from the colonization of the of this country i mean obviously the uh, the native americans are they're still suffering yeah yeah then you have like places like texas and new mexico and california yep um, you have uh, the Dakota Lakota Nation. You know, uh, right. they were they signed a treaty with the United States. They were supposed to be a separate nation, but they're under. You know, <laughs> they really can't operate as a, a separate nation. They won't. Uh, no one will recognize it. Puerto Rico, Hawaii. Um, There's a huge uh, separatist movement going on in um, Hawaii. Uh, the Puerto Ricans can't figure out exactly what they want to do, whether they want to be a state or not. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Let's see what the particular the Hawaiians are. can't really figure it out either. They don't know if they want to be a republic or a monarchy or who's going to be the monarch if they are a monarchy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I want to be a monarchy and I'd like it to be me. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Right, <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> I, I it, it is not a step forward if they uh, do the monarchy thing. But I can tell you, Hawaii is not going anywhere. If you go over to Hawaii, the vast, a, a large amount of the civil service jobs in Hawaii are military. Well, uh, no, the one the civil service jobs oh. are held by Hawaiian nationals. Sure, and that's uh, you know those are sweet sweet government jobs, and they're not going to want to give them up. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three Free Talk Live. Hello, my friends, and welcome to a 32nd edition of Verbal Surgery. I'm your verbal surgeon, Tim A. Cummins, here to radiate your brain for maximum gain. And let me tell you, my friends, get on to the verbalsurgery.com train. Come check it out. Listen to this podcast, and you will feel better right now because you are awesome. Looking forward to seeing you at verbalsurgery.com. Take it easy, baby. Awesome. Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all kinds of legal documents there, patents, wills, trademarks. Use coupon code FTL to save $10 off your order. It's LegalZoom.com, coupon code FTL. Thanks to the uh, people who have been using that, even though I haven't been uh, reading that copy for quite some time. Let's go to the – Julie, you have a, a shocking story um, that uh, it's in your pile there. Yes, Um Woman wants county to cover $1,000 hospital bill for cavity search. This is out of uh, New Mexico. A woman has been charged $1,122 by a local hospital for a forcible body cavity search ordered by the Metro Narcotics Agency that did not turn up any illegal substances. She is now asking the county to pay her hospital bill. I can't even believe she has to ask. That's it's absolutely outrageous. She shouldn't have to ask. Is that, is that the story? Well, there's a little bit more. It just goes into the details. The woman who is not being named because she was not arrested or criminally charged was searched at Memorial Medical Center, according to a claim that uh, the attorney served to the county this week. The woman is refusing to pay the thousand dollars because she, um, oh, sorry, that she was subsequently billed for the cavity search. Metro Sergeant Mike Alba said agents had credible information from a reliable source that the woman was concealing up to an ounce of heroin leading to the search warrant for this. Right. It's a credible. I mean, you see, it's incredible is what it is. And yeah, <laughs> clearly it was the opposite of credible since there was nothing there. Uh, this is OK. This is outrageous on so many counts. Right. Uh, you know, somebody and says just to add one more sentence. Go ahead. She has no criminal history at all. Yeah. Some somebody 
who the cops you know have on a string for probably some conviction or something like that says something bad about this lady or they don't like her or whatever reason the cops say hot damn let's go get us a warrant and the judge says well i give i give out a 10 of these things a day rubber stamp rubber stamp rubber stamp um and and you know what's the big deal and, and so this is just how the system works nobody's being held accountable for this as a matter of fact the person who's being held accountable is a completely innocent victim of this aggression i i i mean if you get a search do you get billed for it like in general like forget the fact that she was innocent like is that how that works? Because it seems wrong. <laughs> it's absolutely wrong. I mean, if the government demands a search of you, it's their search. It's not your search. Um, I mean, that that is the first step as to how this thing I is I wasn't wrong. even aware that you but, could get a search warrant to right. search in somebody... Somebody, <laughs> right? I mean, the, the government that that the government can search up somebody's rectum for uh, drugs or whatever because somebody else said so. Well, we have credible uh, blah 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 blah. What? 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 Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I'm stunned. I'm a hundred percent stunned by this. For for one, do the cops even have to? I mean, when they have these anonymous tips, do they even have to produce that at any point? I mean, it seems to me there's a lawsuit to be had here, this poor lady. I'd have to say so. I would be outside their houses every morning with a sign saying, you know, you violated me. They raped her. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's, this but is what this is. But because they had a warrant, it was okay in their minds. This is government rape. I, I don't know what else to call it. I don't... What, what, Molestation, at, at least. What bothers me about this is, so was the warrant for their, her house first? Because, I mean, you go to the judge and you're like, I believe this woman has has heroin in her butt like or did they go to the house first and since she didn't have it in the house it extended to it her we think like- she's a sly criminal who keeps it on her person at all times it's stunning it's absolutely stunning i I'm truly I'm, I'm gobstopped by this story i cannot <laughs> believe that they charged this lady for this i mean they, they sent her a bill for it not only did they they, they go they go off in the lady and they, you know they 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 they, they steal her away from her life uh, they accuse her of crimes she has not done they they go up in her and then they charge her for the the the, the violation so they make the call and they're like oh just bill her I, I'm stunned. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to make an appointment for a, a I, body cavity search, please. Why not the, I, bill her? Uh, you know, I, I see the silver lining in this cloud. You know, I see an opportunity to make money, to just, I, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to go kick people in the nuts and then send them a bill. There you go. <laughs> this is, I, I think that the, the, the police officer that took this credible uh, lead, they're the ones that should have to pay. Or the person, or they can split it with the person who gave the, credi- the credible lead, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'd like the judge, the, the rubber stamp, that they have to fork over 100 bucks too. Uh, sure. Frankly, Frankly, I think that this lady not only deserves her uh, $1,100, but she deserves a nice big settlement for right. this. Right. I mean, it's it's... It's more than the hospital bill. Like, you've wasted this time. You've violated this lady. I have a feeling that a cavity search really isn't a pleasant experience. a heartfelt apology is is necessary as well. I mean, not that that does much, but it's just the gesture. I mean, come on. You you invaded this person. Yeah. You invaded this person. (laughs) I mean, as, as far as you can possibly invade somebody i'm i'm it's it's stunning i don't know what else to say to this particular instance i mean i, I, I yuck <laughs> yeah let's go to gene the christian anarchist gene well hi there what's going on it's that time of year again i wanted to tell all the listeners about 
the, mo- the fastest motorsport in the world that's going to be happening uh, starting next week, um, called the National Championship Air Races. If you uh, remember, I called about it last year. I, I, I remember you've called about it in the past. It happens only in one place on the planet, and that's in Reno, Nevada, every uh, mid-September. We have airplanes going around in circles, racing like uh, like NASCAR, passing each other and trying yes. to get ahead. So where's the finish line? Do they spray that up? Uh, somebody? <laughs> so what, what, how, where's they the have finish a, line? Like a cra- uh, the guy that writes the words in the yeah. clouds, you know, he just comes and makes a little line. Line, and that's the finish line? Well, the entire race course is defined on the ground with uh, pylons, and that's what I do. I'm a pylon judge. Okay. And so you stand out at the pylon. And if the airplane cuts the pylon, you call it as a foul, and they have a penalty on that. That's got to happen constantly. It does not happen very often, actually. Okay. These guys are very good flyers. So so then it's a time trial. It's not just, you know, everybody takes off at once and finishes. when they all start together, and whoever crosses that finish line first is the winner. Wow. And um, the fastest planes are the unlimiteds, and those are... World War II airplanes like P-51 Mustangs and uh, Bearcats, and those those planes are all souped up. They're not their... Wow, wow. So, so so they can beat the old, like, what, what was it, like 450 miles an hour top speed that they had back in the 40s? Actually, I think the uh, P-51s in World War II were only going about 300. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Are you sh- okay. But they're doing... These planes are doing 500. They, around, a, around a closed course, uh, 100 feet off the ground. No jets? They do have a jet class, and the jets will go a little faster. They go about 540, 530. Well, what do they do to jets to make them go so slow? Uh, they don't allow afterburners. Okay. So afterburners are a no-no, so you have to use just uh, regular um, jet power. But they go pretty darn fast, and um, between the air races, there are... Uh, air shows, you know, uh, different kinds of aerobatic things and parachutists. And it's really a lot of fun, and if people have ever thought about going, uh, if they can get away next week, it's actually next weekend is the best race because it, it's a four-and-a-half-day race. So it's uh, they do qualifications, and then they do eliminations, and then the fastest race is the last race of Sunday, which would be Sunday afternoon about 3.30, 4 o'clock. Is it dangerous? I mean, do they have... It is dangerous. They do sometimes have accidents. But uh, we're trying to make it as safe as possible. And if anybody wants to go, I'm saying this year is a good year to go because with the economy, who knows if there's going to be another one. Hmm. There you go. Thanks for the call, Gene. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Get you in the final segment. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. SpendBitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From SpendBitcoins.com, you can spend your Bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend Bitcoins, go to SpendBitcoins.com. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. 
Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's a toll-free call in line. We might very well be able to sneak you in if you give us a call. Are you on any medications? Are you getting your meds at a local pharmacy? If you are, you're likely paying more than you have to. There's a better way. Discount Prescription Services will get you your meds at discounts as high as 70% off, and they'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com. Click Become a Member on the left-hand side of the page. They've got a toll-free number there that you can call either way. It's up to you. They'll give you If it's uh, not business hours, they'll give you a call back during business hours. Their customer service is excellent. They third-party certify all of their stuff to uh, not be counterfeit. They'll walk you through every step of the way, and you'll save a lot of money. If you uh, are taking any uh, medications on a regular basis, this is the way to get them and the way to get them at the, the lowest price, the best quality, and the service is wonderful. It's meds.freetalklive.com. Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. Did I catch you mid-yawn? Mid, mid you yawn, did. Mid, uh, sorry to keep you up, Luther. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Mike in Virginia. Mike? Hello. Hello. Yes. I just want to make a comment. Okay. Comment away. Okay. Um, I am original from Africa, and um, the political situation in this country makes me remind reminds me of the fact that it, it reminds you of what? I'm sorry. I didn't understand what you said. It meant, reminds you of what? Yes, I said I'm, I'm coming down. It reminds me of a parable. A parable? Okay. 200 years. Yes. 200 years. Uh, the lion is the king in the jungle. But for once, a dog became the king. How do you think that is going to fit with the, with the lion? If if a dog is king, how is it going to fit with a lion? Yes. It seems like the the lion would eat him. Lion would eat, would eat him. I think that is the exact situation with this country right now. A black man is the president, and all you folks are going crazy. For 200 years, this country has been run down. If a black man became president, now is all your you guys coming out saying terrible things on the radio. It's just not really good. So, that is just my comment. Whatever you have to say, uh, fire away. Okay. Um, so I don't have a problem. I've often said on the air that yeah, I think that, I... that... Are you there? Oh, he left. Okay. Um, I've often said that I think the very best thing about Barack Obama's presidency is that he's black, which I think is a really sad thing to say about somebody. Um, I think that it, you know, the, the amount of melanin in your skin is the, uh, is the best thing that one can say about you, then... That says you know something poor about the presidency. I mean, you know, the the debt has increased and uh, unemployment's increased. Um, these are these are not uh, factors that have anything to do with this ethnicity. Sure, sure. I mean, I I look back and I see that this has been coming for a while, and I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that Barack Obama is president, or even the fact that Barack Obama is black. You know, it's just been coming for a while. And he has made some decisions that have sort of worsened it. Right. Well, that's uh, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, somebody would have been able to make this a shorter recession um, if, for instance, they would have followed, uh, you know, Ron Paul's advice and, you know, 
return the the country to sound money and uh, you know cut government spending and things like that. None of these things have anything to do with Barack Obama's ethnicity. I can understand why some, you know, there there is a history of uh, racism in this country. There's no doubt about it. Um, I don't think that a lot of people are really, there's some people that are really upset about Barack Obama's ethnicity. I don't think most people care about his ethnicity. I think most people are, uh, you know, they're they're entrenched on their particular side of the political paradigm. I think both of those sides stink, and I think sure. they, I think that the, well, the next president we're going to have is going to stink too. Yeah, and he's probably not going to be black. I would imagine Barack Obama's going to lose. That's my guess. Yeah, um, you know, we we've been saying a lot of the same things about Bush that we've been saying yeah, about Obama. Absolutely, I think Bush and Obama are very similar, and we railed against Bush on this show. Now, if he's uh, if he's using the opportunity to get on the air and talk about other talk shows, that may very well be the case. I don't know. I can't speak for another talk show, and to uh, to suggest perhaps that you people um, don't like it, you know, talking about talk show hosts and lumping me into the that group. That's a bigoted statement, isn't it? Yeah, that's judging me because I'm a talk show host. I I don't have the same feelings that other talk show hosts do. No, I I, I don't agree with Limbaugh or Hannity. Nope, I no. don't. So I I think that the you know Mike would have been better served to stay on the line and uh, talk about this a little bit. Yeah, I would have I'd, liked I'd lo- to ask him some questions. I like to talk about racial issues. Um, I think that it's something that needs to be discussed. I think that race. I personally have a shoed race. I am not interested in having one. If it if a race is uh, something that somebody gets to choose for themselves, and all the science seems to to um, indicate that, then I choose not to have one. So. You know, I don't think yeah. I personally for me, race isn't, um, you know, isn't something that I want to have for to, myself. to paraphrase Bob Marley, dude, the color of a man's skin is no more significant than the color of his eyes. You know, they uh, there's a uh, there's a Tom Robbins book out there where they uh, where he talks about people with uh, brown hair, or black hair and brown eyes uh, always get the, the short end of the stick. And what I think that is, is a reference to is that, uh, you know, people of ethnicity because, you know, there's rarely as a white guy have black hair and brown yeah. eyes well but my father he had jet black hair until it started to gray and brown eyes oh interesting yeah well your last name is miranda so true I, true I, I don't know could could not entirely fall into the- <laughs> well we're, we're from you know di- a direct european descent not you know hispanic indeed so um speaking of uh of, of people of hispanic descent there's an interesting story here from sacb.com that's the sacramento b Julia, I, I didn't get your opinion on that. Did you want to hop in? Or I was good? actually going to say the exact same thing that Chris said, which <laughs> is just that this is a problem that is not, it's not like Barack Obama stepped in and all of a sudden everything's a mess. This has been a long time coming. Every president just seems to slowly make it worse. And, and I, I, I mean, black has nothing to do with anything for me. Yeah. I hate Barack Obama like I don't like George Bush. Same. Yeah. They're the same person to me. For me, hate is the is yeah. a strong term, but I understand where we're coming from. It's a uh, you know I think that these guys are making it worse, and we railed on George Bush on this show over and over and over again. So, um, you know, I think it was Mike was the, was the caller's name. He, he yeah. probably hasn't been listening to the show for a very long time. Uh, the ignorance is showing, and uh, you know I welcome him to continue to listen. I and and I welcome him to call in. I have. That's not my issue. Race is not my issue. And I wish, frankly, I wish everybody would get together and make a whole bunch of, you know, light brown babies so that we could get over this issue. That's just me. Uh, By the way, the uh, uh, 
the my best friend in the whole world is a, a black man who's married to a white woman. So clearly, I don't have an issue with that. Um, you know, yeah, you want to tell my ex-black girlfriend that I'm a racist? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, um, improving Mexican economy draws undocumented immigrants back home from California. There are fewer undocumented immigrants in California and the Sacramento region because now many are finding the American dream south of the border. It's now easier to buy homes on credit, find a job, access higher education in Mexico. Sacramento's Mexican Council General Carlos Gonzalez Gutierrez said Wednesday, we have become a middle-class country. Mexico's unemployment rate is now 4.9% compared with 9.4% joblessness in the United States. An estimated 300,000 undocumented immigrants have left California since 2008, though the remaining 2.6 million, as I understand it, California is um, the highest rate of undocumented workers um, in, in America. I could be wrong. That's just what I've read someplace. But it's interesting. Now they have all the people that are so worried about these immigrants here taking our jobs. They have, took her have finally figured out how it is to fix the problem. They've supported enough stupid administrations with their stupid policies that have driven the economy into the ground. Black, white, and Asian. There's what Mike, you was one of the, uh, the, the uh, George Bush's guys. All of them have driven the economy into the ground. And now the Mexican, uh, you know, undocumented workers are going back to Mexico and finding jobs there. Well, that pretty showed them. Pretty soon, Americans will be sneaking across the border to get jobs. <laughs> Probably. Maybe. Who knows? Could be. I mean, it, it, it very well could be. I think that America's heyday has ended unless they do something dramatic. I think it's been over for over 100 years. I don't, I don't know. No, I, wouldn't, I would not say that. I mean, it depends on what you're calling its heyday. Um, I'm talking about from an economic standpoint. A lot of the legacy hadn't caught up yet. Um, but I, I think that. But around the 90s, uh, maybe, well, 2005, I would say, was probably the, the, the beginning of the end for the United States as far as uh, economic stuff well, goes. I, I can't think of a time that we lived in greater affluence than in, you know, post-Reconstruction era of uh, the late 1800s. So you're talking about the... Um, yeah, I'm talking about re- uh, relatively, in, yeah. you know. Well, you know, I'd, I'd prefer not to uh, to crap in a hole in the ground, and that's what they were doing at the time. So that's... <laughs> it, it, there, it, okay, it is so we issue. have more technology. <laughs> technology provides freedom. I think the technology... Mar- may very well be the path to freedom, sad as it might be. Well, you, you use the hole-in-the-ground example, but that's actually a more comfortable way to do it than... They I, they I, build little stools that you can put your feet on for that very reason. Squatting as opposed to sitting, is that the, the that's suggestion? That's the way you're that's supposed to. Yeah. Well, certainly, that's what, uh, you know, that would be the more natural posture. And But you, one can adjust oneself on a toilet bowl in order to... <laughs> yeah, a little stool to put your feet on. Squat, squatting there. Uh, <laughs> Um, in the meantime, freetalklive.com. <laughs> it's been Mark with you. And Luther. Keep and it classy, Julia. America. Keep it classy. <laughs> Free Talk Live. <laughs> 